1: Valverde, Gocelo ¡Gol! El Real Madrid, 6 de partido Carrera Fronzala, apenas cinco pasos Va RDT, golpea ¡Gol! Del Rayo Vallecano Que empata el partido Va la entrada y
0: atención
1: Que al darse la vuelta Carvajal ha golpeado Y puede ser la
2: segunda de Carvajal. Hello, everyone, and welcome to La Liga Lowdown, our regular weekly podcast here reviewing the weekend's matches. First of all, I'd just like to say apologies for the absence of a midweek pod last week due to technical difficulties. We couldn't actually get one recorded in time for release, but that should not be a problem
1: for the rest of the season, hopefully. Uh, welcome along. Paco Pollet joins me tonight. How are you, Paco? Very well, uh, with plenty of things to say about this match day where the top of the league uh, missed a bit on the road to mm. to winning the this year's edition of La Liga. Um, I don't, I don't think many people expected Real Madrid stumbling over at uh, Vallecas, but they actually did. Barça suffered a lot to win their game against uh, Celta, once again uh, surrounded in controversy um, and a couple of. Overall, disappointments. I expected much more from, for example, that Valencia-Sevilla game or that Villarreal-Getafe game. I expected real football champagne and I didn't get it, so I'm a bit a bit sad about that.
2: Ah, yeah, quite a few draws this weekend, it's fair to say. But we'll talk about the biggest win of the weekend in just a moment, but we will start at Vallecas. Because last week, Ben and me were talking about Real Madrid's demolition of Girona and saying, well, that's pretty much the title race done. As it is, Madrid have stumbled at Vallecas um, in Igor Pérez's first game following Francisco's sacking last week. So he uh, has been promoted into the job. He was Iraola's assistant last season, um, has played under the Bielsa Athletic Club and he now has the reins at Vallecas. There were big protests by the Rio fans about the, um, the stadium potentially being uh, mm-hmm. changed and there were calls again for Presa to, to go We'll touch on that perhaps in a moment, but on the game itself, Real Madrid into the lead early through Joselu. They were pegged back by a Raul de Tomas penalty, and then couldn't find a way to restore their advantage. And then lost another defender this time to a red card. Danny Carvajal getting two yellows in stoppage time Paco. Is there a league?
1: Well, uh, if you actually see the you know the standings, you might say that there might be uh, a league over there in some place. But I really think that Real Madrid have settled that not today, not this weekend where they did uh, lose two points at their uh, visit on the road to to Vallecas, but many, many weeks ago. I think that winning the uh, head to heads against Barça, uh, you know Girona twice, I think that settles uh, you know the record straight for for Real Madrid winning this this edition of La Liga. I think that even though their advantage might be shaved to some extent in the following weeks as they are obviously going to focus a bit on their Champions League uh, aims and goals and dreams stumbles like these might happen when you have such a you know such a, a comfortable uh, lead over the the rest of the teams chasing them so yeah even though uh, Raul de Tomas was able to uh, convert that penalty after the the handball inside Real Madrid's box I think that overall the, the, the feeling is that they weren't really pressing the, the, the pedal really hard. You know, I think that they had plenty of energy still left in the tank. But at this point, I think Ancelotti is trying to uh, reserve and conserve and, and keep at as much energy as possible. Inside of of his squad, so it can be used uh, whenever they really need it, and I think that will eventually come over in the Champions League. So yeah, not the best game. Carvajal, uh, just now watching uh, once again the the recap of the game and the the review. I think he really just lost his mind. Mm. Yeah, because the the actually the hit on on uh, Rayo Vallecano's player on the face isn't with his elbow but with his head which is very unnatural, you know, and that's what the referee actually did see when he, uh, you know, sent him off. So, yeah, big miss for, for Ancelotti uh, regarding next next game. And, yeah, I think that Carvajal should really calm down a bit and cool off a bit because uh, you just can't do things like that inside a, a football ground. Well, you said uh,
2: it's been a, a good few weeks for them. They, they have gone six points clear. Girona do have that game in hand. They are at San Mames on Monday night, so... A very big if, mm. but if they were to win there, that would put the gap back to just three points. And then again, we can perhaps talk about Girona doing the impossible. But overall, a good week for Madrid backing up that win over Girona with uh, the win in the Champions League away from home with that Brahim Diaz-Golazzo de in uh, midweek. Um, as for their opposite neighbours, they warmed up for their own Champions League match with an absolute thumping of Las Palmas. Um, given that they were resting Griezmann, given that Morata was injured, given that they started Marcos Llorente up front, this was a a really surprisingly comfortable victory for Diego Simeone's men and uh, a fun fact here Las Palmas conceded 20% of all their league goals this season in this one game yeah that's how solid they had been until this this game was such a bizarre result
1: yeah I was very surprised but again I think Las Palmas have really shown that they have two faces uh one when they play at home uh you know surrounded by their own people and Um, you know Valencia fell to their might last match day but whenever they go on the road obviously their performance isn't the same and I think Atletico had things Mm. very very easy since the get go with that Marcos Llorente opener in the 15th minute I think that from that point onward it went downhill for them and very uphill for Las Palmas and yeah Atletico obviously they were very uh, ambitious they were pressuring very high against the opposition I don't know Las Palmas were never comfortable and whenever you are 2-0 down in the 20th minute, you know that you're in for a a spanking. I think that we should highlight definitely Llorente for his game. Obviously, Ángel Correa, once again, because I think that's some kind of player which uh, Cholo Simeone can always rely on him, both in the way he pressures, in the way he plays, in the way he delivers, in the way he never complains when he starts uh, on the bench and he got two goals. I think that many Atletico fans are very, very happy for Uh, You know, Correa, whenever they see him thriving, uh, he's a fan favorite, definitely. And Memphis Depay was the one in charge of finishing the game with a great finish, by the way. I I thought that he had left the ball behind with his first one-touch control, but he was able to course correct, and his finish was magnificent to score the fifth. So as you said, I think Las Palmas were just out of their depth in this this game. And after uh, seizing an amazing win, The preceding week against uh, Valencia at home, uh, they fell prey to a very comfortable and very confident Atletico Madrid. Nothing to say really about this, uh, you know, astounding win for los colchoneros.
2: Well, it was almost a perfect practice because they faced a team who had a really good defensive record in the league, and they're now going to head to San Siro in the Champions League for this massive game against Inter, and. <laughs> the side from Milan have only conceded 12 goals in 24 league games as they are 9 points clear at the top of Serie A with a game in hand over Juventus. So Inter are absolutely flying especially in 2024. So Atletico are going to have a real job on to get a positive result in that game, aren't they?
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the toughest uh, teams nowadays in the European continent. I think that um Atletico are going to have a very hard time against them. Um because in many ways they are very, very similar. You know, both Inter and uh, Atletico have uh, many common traits in in a way. If you see Inter's current form, obviously they, they won this weekend against uh, Salernitana very easily. They did win last week against uh, Roma uh, 4-2 on the road. They beat Juventus, they beat Fiorentina. Their, their current form has been absolutely magnificent, and you have to go as far as... Um, 2023 to see one game that they didn't win and you have to go to a Coppa Italia game yep. in uh you know in their uh, home competition to see them lose a single game because their results at least in La Liga has been immaculate and I was just checking out the last time that they did lose in uh, in Serie A and I think that we have to go back to the beginning of the season yeah, September September 27th against Sassuolo 1-2 Uh, at home since then uh, you know Inter have been an an absolute you know uh, bulldozer like team uh, crushing the the opposition and Atletico are going to have to fight very very hard if they really want to you know uh, knock out them and and move on to the next round going to be a fascinating watch on Tuesday night Um, let's talk about Barcelona
2: because they're the other La Liga side in action in midweek in the Champions League but this weekend they faced Celta At Balaidos, this had pretty much all the classics of this season. I mean, Iago Aspas scored against Barca, tick. Uh, Rafa Benitez unhappy with the referee, tick. Tick. Barcelona made to suffer, tick. Xavi looking at the camera and making a weird expression, tick. (laughs) Um, And some some controversy thrown into the mix as well with the penalty and and the retake. Paco, what a a crazy game this was.
1: Yeah, I have to start by that last, uh, you know, assessment. I definitely understand both Rafa Benitez and Celta fans. I think that the... I don't know uh, goalkeepers have it very tough you know yeah uh, from the get-go uh, when that rule was changed already a few years ago where they can only you know move uh, horizontally through the uh, line goal and uh, or goal line sorry and they just can't move before the taker takes the penalty I think that already makes things... Very difficult for goalkeepers. But if you have to also take into consideration that the taker might do a paradinha and stop on his tracks and retake it, and the referee allows that, you know, the goalkeeper has 0% chances of of stopping the the shot. That on one hand, uh, because we've seen, though it happens very, 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 very little, it should happen more, we've seen that, takers who do actually do perform the paradinha uh, if you follow uh, the rules by the book they should see a yellow they should get booked and the ball should be uh you know given possession to the defending side yeah and the penalty shouldn't be allowed if you go by the book that should happen i think Lewandowski really stopped 100 on his tracks mm. but the referee didn't consider that okay fair enough but in the second time that he took the penalty there was a single Barca player going inside the box, and he didn't see that. So I definitely understand Celta fans because they see how first up, uh, you know, they have a penalty against them in the in the ninety third minute. Then, uh, white stops the the saves the penalty, and there, it is retaken, and Barca scores it in an illegal way because a Barca player went st- step foot set foot inside the box. You know, uh, they might think, uh, arguably with plenty of of reasoning behind that, that uh, it seemed that Barca had to win this game, yes or yes. And unfortunately for Celta, they're in such a position that they just can't suffer this kind of referee calls because they are in anguish. Mm -hmm. They are in such a delicate state that every single mm, blow that they suffer in this sense with referees and so on is massive on them, very, very hurtful on them. So, yeah, leaving that aside, I think that Barca didn't play well uh, once again and that, yeah, Jago was scoring was a nice touch. It was a very, very balanced game overall. Uh, definitely you couldn't see, uh, you know, Barca being, uh, you know, third or fourth uh, in the standings at, and Celta being exactly the opposite but on the other on the other uh side or on the bottom half of the of the standings you know it was a very very balanced game I think that Celta did enough to the surf at this one point yeah but once again you know little details uh punished them and favored Barca indeed Celta just three points above the drop zone but uh in a way that's a safer
2: position than it does sound because we'll, we'll get on to the bottom three in a moment and how continually poor they can uh, they are um, as for Barca, again, three points is three points. Uh, as it stands, they are only two off Girona. But um, again, questions about Xavi, the way the team is playing, the reliance on Laminya Mal to do anything productive in, in the final third. This Napoli tie is, is going to be critical because if, if Barca somehow don't come through that, it, you almost get the sense Xavi will, will, will go before mm. the end of the season, right?
1: No? Yeah, but at the same time, uh, they are facing the exact same opposite form than Atletico Atletico mm. are facing Inter who are or at least seem mighty at this point but Napoli have been falling free for the last month in an unexpected way they draw. they drew last weekend against Genoa they lost against Milan last week uh, they, they won straight by against Elas Verona um, they uh, drew against Lazio on the road they lost against Inter in the in the final of the Italian Super Cup their last month has hasn't really been that impressive, uh, with only that win against Fiorentina three 0 mid January to to boast about. So I think that both teams are in trouble to some extent. I think that Barca's one is a bit more deeper than than Napoli's, and overall I see that's a very very balanced um, draw overall. Uh, a very balanced uh, series of games that we're going to uh, you know behold in the in the following weeks because. Mm, with their own set of problems, these two teams also have their own character and their own way of playing and their own play style and that is going to clash uh, in some way and I don't really know at this point who of them is going to, you know, be victorious in this in this face-to-face because Napoli are much more vertical side with Cabaras and so on. Barca are finding it very tough to score whenever Jamin Lamal isn't there. Even though Lewandowski scored this weekend, but uh, it hasn't been really his best season. And uh, you know, last last year, Barca were very very reliable at the back. It's mm-hmm. not the case. It's not further a case. And we did see, for example, Ter Stegen being very very angry, out of his mind in this in the game against Delta. So yeah, um, plenty of problems for for both sides, and plenty of neediness for both of them, as you said. I think that if Barca are unable to beat Napoli into submission and move on to the following round, I think it's lights out for Xavi, even before than he that he wanted to, that it's on June 30th. Mm-hmm. Well, we will find out. We will find out
2: as the course of that tie takes place. Uh, vamos a ver. Vamos a ver. Vamos Barca a ver. vence, pero no convence. Yeah. Um, right. We'll take a break there. When we come back, we'll talk about the rest of the games from this weekend. Only a couple more wins to talk about the rest. We'll we're all drawers, so join us to discuss all of that. See you soon. Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown, our Match Day 25 recap. I'm here with Paco Pollitt to discuss the rest of the weekend's fixtures. Where should we go now, Paco? I think we'll go to uh, Mallorca and um, hmm. their clash with Real Sociedad in uh, repeat of the Copa del Rey semi-final first leg, which of course finished 0-0. This one did have goals and it did have late drama. Mallorca took the lead early, but uh, Real Sociedad were able to equalise through former Mallorca player Kubo. And then there was a 93rd-minute winner from Mikel Marino to um, Anger uh, Vasco Aguirre.
1: Yeah, once again, it's, uh, you know, very unfortunate for, for Vasco Aguirre. Uh, we didn't speak about the, you know, the red cards and drama, late drama, so on. But if you actually see the game, Real Sociedad deserved the win, okay? Because ultimately, we're talking about Antonio Sanchez scoring very early in the game in the only shot on target that Mallorca had, so... Yeah, if you really want something more, you have to do something more. And Mallorca just scored and tried to park the bus in front of their of their goal. It didn't work out because, unfortunately for them, Real Sociedad are slowly coming back. Even though there are bumps on the road, even though we did see uh, the other day Imanol Alguacil being not very happy with some of his players. But yeah, as you said, Take Kubo, who didn't celebrate his he the goal that he scored. Uh, late in the first half, being able to to level the game, I think that is you know just a class act from him uh, with that uh, cross where he finished and levelled the game before the the halftime. And later, you know, once the second half was was going on, uh, González Fuertes was uh, you know he didn't doubt about sending Raíllo to the to the locker room. Um, and later, with you know that kind of advantage, Real Sociedad. It was clear that they were going to have many chances. That is exactly what happened. But you know, with ten minutes to go, with uh, Raikovic being massive under the sticks, I was doubtful that they were going to be able to win the game. But mm. ultimately, they were able to do that with that excellent, uh, you know, move by. By Real Sociedad, you know, pressing forward, trying to cross many balls inside the box. And finally, in that 93rd minute, uh, it was the time for um, Mikel Merino to, to score the, the winner. So, yeah, 20 shots overall, 5 shots on target for Real Sociedad. Not as much as I believed, I was ch- just checking out. But, yeah, 70% of ball possession. They dominated the game, they deserved the win. But again, you know, you feel for El Vasco Aguirre because he just doesn't have that kind of quality in his squad and he tries to get the most out, out of what he has and tonight he was very very close to doing exactly that uh, they're not in the immediate danger but they are kind of in that zone where you'd
2: say yeah they need to do some more work um, but it was a good weekend for lareal following their uh, disappointing defeat in paris they uh they obviously won this game and all of their rivals around them failed to win so a pretty decent weekend for Immenol's side. Um, Let's go to a side that we thought were maybe in trouble, but now appear to be well clear of danger. That is Osasuna, and once again it was Ante Budimir with the brace to see off hapless Caddy. Um, yeah, you can talk about this either way: Paco Osasuna
1: being safe now, or, or Caddy being pretty doomed. Well, I'd say that Osasuna are on their way to, if not repeating the amazing feat that they did. Or they were able to pull off last season. Uh, definitely, they are going to be very, very relaxed in the in the final ten games if they continue this this streak of results, especially whenever playing at home. You know, the last two wins have really settled things over there, over at El Sadar, and once again, Ante Budimir becoming, uh, you know, the the massive player that he has to be for his team because they don't really have anything else after Jimmy Avila leaving mm-hmm. mid-season. I think that, uh, you know, Eriosa Sunista realizes that most of their chances of having a relaxed end of season and even thinking about something further rely on Ante Budimir scoring uh, a big number of goals from now till the end of May. So, yeah, the first half was a very, I don't know if the word is pesky, you know, it was very, uh, we had micro stories inside the the game. Uh, We had 10 minutes uh, periods where one dominated, the following 10 minute period was... For the opposition, but overall it was it was very very balanced. But once again, Cadiz really felt the the lack of firepower in front, and that is the main issue that El Flaco Pellegrino is facing in his first few weeks over as um, the new Cadista manager. And in the second half, when Ante Budimir was able to just open the can and score the first one, uh, it was lights out for for Cadiz, who really didn't have um, enough chances or enough. Um, Tools to generate danger to Osasuna, and you know the home side just thrive on that and, and try to press forward more. And uh, finally, Vladimir got his brace in the in the last few seconds of the game. Overall, massive win for for Osasuna. Every single win that they get at home is going to be massive for them. And uh, yeah, unfortunately for Cardiff, it seems that if they don't change if they don't change pace, especially when playing a nuevo mirandilla, which is going to be Definitely, also a, a very big challenge because most of the of the teams who come over there have better squads than them, have more quality than them, have um, a deeper bench than them. If they are just unable to capitalize on the you know support of their fans, I think that alongside uh, Almeria, it's possibly the most doomed side right now until the end of May in La Liga. Yeah, they haven't scored in over a month.
2: They've gone five games without a goal, uh, really out of form and uh, staring down the barrel. They are only three points adrift, so there is theoretically still quite a bit of hope if they can just get a win or two, but to drag the others back in, but at the moment it is looking pretty hopeless for them. Um, But below them, we had a head-to-head, Granada taking on Almeria in what was a pretty much win or bust game. And of course, as these games often are, it ended in a draw. (laughs) Almeria taking the lead, uh, and everyone was thinking maybe this is the day they do finally get the win uh, mark pobil with his first goal of the season to give them the lead and it took granada until the 75th minute to get level uh, they had a few chances to to win the game but ultimately it was a draw which neither side was happy with granada six points off and almeria mm. six points further back so almeria you
1: can you know put a fork in them as as the saying goes yeah. and and probably granada too and again, I'm going to repeat myself because I've said that plenty of times this season. I think that Almería should have more points based on their squad. Mm. In my view, they definitely don't have the worst squad in La Liga. But, you know, things are just going uh, south since, uh, since the beginning of, of the season. I have to praise definitely Mark Puvil's goal. I think it was beautiful, one of the best of the weekend. Obviously a home-ground uh, fellow Valencian uh, player. He, he used to play for Levante's academy back in the day and for Levante, the first squad, before signing for Almeria last summer. Uh, there was also some controversy with that Edgar disallowed goal. Uh, if Almeria were 2-0 up, I think that things would have been much different. And they did have many chances, especially in the first half, of killing the game. But they, they didn't take advantage of that. So, yeah, overall... Um, You know, in the second half, Granada improved quite a lot. And once again, Uthuni, you know, man of the season last year in Segunda División, was the one in charge of leveling the game. And as you said, whenever you have a win or bust game uh, between teams that are bottom of the standings, uh, things tend to go, you know, just on the the draw side of things because they are just too afraid of winning. And uh, whenever the 75th minute, 80th minute comes around, you are very afraid of losing what you have. So that's exactly what happened between these two. Yeah,
2: it was a much better game in the first half of the season when Almiria were 3-0 up before getting pegged back to 3-3. That was probably the better of the two draws between these sides. Anyway, Friday night, we'll go back to Friday. Villarreal taking on Getafe, two former Valencia managers head-to-head Paco Uh, This was also a draw, Maximovich with the opener for Getafe, Alberto Moreno with the second half equaliser, but you were quite disappointed with this game.
1: Yeah, I expected a bit more um, from both sides. I expected more uh, football flair by uh, Villarreal because ultimately they were playing at home and that should... You know, uh, be useful at least to some extent, and they didn't. And I expected more from Estos es Fútbol Papa Bordalás, and uh, you know, a bit more of shit coming from him, especially as they got in, uh, on top um, in the first half with that Maximovich strike. So I was a bit disappointed. Villarreal dominated obviously, and it had to be a left back. Alberto Moreno, the one in charge of taking advantage of a, of a loose ball inside the box and, and finishing uh, with, with Finesse, with that uh, left foot, that strike allowed Villarreal to, to level the game. I, I don't really know what is going on with, with Villarreal because you see their games, you follow their games, you know, you know the man in charge, you know Marcelino, at least in my case, you know plenty of uh, things about his coaching techniques. You know, personally, most of his staff. You know how they work every single day. And the Arrayals should be um, getting better results. But ultimately, they fail to really, uh, you know, put the nail on the coffin on the opposition every single game. They mm. always leave the the enemy with... Uh, they always leave the, the prey alive. And uh, that allows, you know... The, the opposite teams, to to really scrape some points away from Villarreal, who have been in a very negative streak of results, because uh, they drew against Getafe, against Alavés, against Cadiz, they beat Barca, obviously that improves things quite a lot, but they drew again at home against Mallorca, they lost against Las Palmas, they lost against Valencia, they beat Delta de Vigo, which are one of the bottom sides, so plenty of draws too many at least for Marcelino states so uh, you have to check out the following games they face real sociedad next week they face granada in two mm-hmm. weeks uh, they should at least pick the win against uh, pick up the win against granada if they don't want to feel uh, the hit not from the relegation spots because i really think that the bottom 3 are going to be ultimately the bottom three at the end of the season it would be very surprising for that to change but Villarreal should be eyeing to improve at least as much as climbing up to 10th, 9th and be able to eye, to some extent, European spots because of their squad, because of their budget, because of their manager, because of the club that they are. If they don't, they will be failing this season regardless of, you know, escaping the the relegation heat. So, yeah, That uh, speaking about Villarreal, speaking about Getafe, things are going great for them because in their case... Uh avoiding relegation was the you know their main goal of the season. And if you see their streak of games, uh they beat Celta, they were able to uh they are they have been able to draw very difficult games on the road against Villarreal, against Betis Um I don't know. They were competing against Osasuna, they lost 3 2, but regardless, they did well. They beat Granada, they beat Celta at home. So uh, yeah, the following game is going to be tough because it's never easy to go to, in this case, um, the Montjuic Stadium uh, to face Barca. But in two weeks, they're facing at home Las Palmas. And that should be an easy win for them. So once again, because of Las Palmas' form on the road and Getafe's form whenever they play at home. So yeah, seeing Getafe at this point 10th on the standings and only 6 points away from European spots is... In my view, maybe as miraculous as what, for example, Baraja is doing over in in Valencia. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Well, two more games to mention before we have to wrap up, and they were both nil-nil draws
2: involving sides from Sevilla. We had Valencia nil, Sevilla nil. Uh, that was four games unbeaten for Sevilla now, as they start to climb towards safety. Uh, two clean sheets in the ride for them as well. And as for Betis Alaves, Betis are struggling for goals themselves after. Losing one 0 against Dinamo Zagreb, they now have to go to Croatia to try and overturn that result. Couldn't score against Alaves here. Uh, great save from Sivera, keeping it nil nil. Alaves, by the way, have only lost um, one in five, so they're uh, mm-hmm. sorry, one in seven. So they're in in a real good form as well.
1: Yeah, again, plenty of draws for for Luis Garcia's men, but I think that he's pretty happy about the, you know, development of the season and the way his team has been performing. 11 points clear of danger, so that is massive for Alaves. Remember, they uh, promoted last last summer. And regarding Betis, I don't know. Uh, they won two, they drew two out of the last four. That should be fine for 90% of fan bases, but I think that Betis uh, fans and Betisistas... Uh, are a bit more, you know, uh, are a bit more aggressive in that sense and are a bit more ambitious. And that's why, you know, plenty of changes this year. Uh, Pellegrini doesn't really need seem to be having the same level of, I said the word earlier, finesse with his squad this year. They are suffering also in European competition. So overall, not the best year for, for Betis, who are only uh, one point away from Real Sociedad. Mm. but uh, were overtaken
2: this weekend weren't
1: they? Yeah they were overtaken and they are 12 points away from the Champions League I think that Mm. uh, you know the top four more or less are going to remain that way and most of the fun I think Athletic Club is also going to finish fifth so most of the fun at this point is going to be uh, regarding who is squeezing into sixth and playing the conference in this season. You have Real Sociedad, Betis, Valencia, Las Palmas, Getafe, even Osasuna, who should yeah. have a shot to some extent of of squeezing into, into that spot. And regarding the, the nil-nil between Valencia and Sevilla, the bottom line is that Quique Sánchez-Flores, who is, you know, uh, from his heart, a real Valencianista, he has been his whole life, he has never won... Uh, when he came to to Mestalla as a manager, uh, not coaching Valencia, obviously, uh, in the last 10 years or so. And it showed because uh, it was some sort of, you know, the game plan was just parking the bus and making sure that nothing really happened on the game. Kike aimed for one point and he did get his point. So happiness uh, abound for, for Sevilla, whereas for Valencia, once again had a shot of really, you know, uh, nailing that uh, streak of results at home and being able to to claw away and and become closer to Betis and to La Sociedad, but unfortunately they didn't take advantage of the chance. 36 points, 99% of the way to Salvation already, uh, you know, Followed and and done and they only need one single win to just uh, you know tie the knot on on the salvation process.
2: Yeah, fear not, they're not they're not in trouble this year, Paco, don't worry. Just again on Betis, only four defeats in the league, which is two less than Atletico, two fewer than Atletico, but twelve draws, and that's what's really costing them in their race for the Champions League. So yeah, looks like for them the Europa League spot at best. um, and again they'll try and overturn that that Dinamo Zagreb result. On Thursday. Well, that's pretty much all we have time for, Paco. Um, thank you very much for your thoughts, as always. We have uh, Champions League coming up this midweek, as we say. Atleti in Milan to face Inter, and Barca taking on Napoli, before Betis uh, in Croatia taking on uh, Dinamo Zagreb, as we say. So we'll be back in
1: midweek to review all of that but uh, until then Paco thank you very much uh thank you very much and remember guys that you will have if we have no problems this this week <laughs> uh, uh midweek a special episode for subscribers so make sure to subscribe to our uh, Substack. it's only a five a month are you are going to do yourselves a big big favor definitely what Paco said uh, I endorse that message in full so thank you very much listeners
2: enjoy the midweek enjoy the Champions League matches should be real fun to watch Uh, And we'll speak to you again soon. Adios.